and welcome to Series 3 of the Undressing Disability podcast, where we talk all things sex and disability. With me, one of your hosts, Jenny Williams, and my lovely co-host, Zoe Lloyd. We have so many exciting guests on this series, and we really hope you enjoy it just as much as we do. On this episode of the Undressing Disability podcast, Zoe and I chat with Ben about his time as a carer and how he helped a client with their first sexual experience. Hello, everybody. And um, today we are talking to Ben. We are going to be talking about sex workers, um, getting sex when... um, it's not always that easy um, to have sex if you've got a disability which is can be severe enough to stop you being able to go out and naturally meet someone. Um, and um, Ben, we started having this conversation with you. Actually, it's quite an unusual setup. Zoe's here. Do you want to explain how this conversation came about, Zoe? Um, yeah, so I employed Ben for uh, some work at my house and and then we'd had a conversation and I was talking about our charity and what we do and what we're passionate about. And he said, oh, my God, yeah, I had an experience like that when I was younger. Um, and kindly, you said you'd support us in, in whatever you could do uh, to help us. So I did remember that, as we always do, if <laughs> we've got a call on um, contacts and um, yeah, and asked you if you wanted to be a guest on this podcast, because it's a really uh, important and passionate subject for us um, with um, sex and disability being the whole main point of uh, these podcasts. Um, so, yeah. So thank you for sharing your story with me and it, hopefully it'll encourage other people to get talking about it. So, Ben, you know, unusually, normally when we mention what we do as a charity, people go, oh, sex and disability. Wow, I've never even thought about that. Never even come into our heads. It's never been a problem. Um, or it's never been something that I've even thought about. But obviously, it's been different for you. So do you mind kind of telling us a little bit from the, from the beginning of your story? Yeah, of course. So um, I cared for um, uh, a young lad. He was 14. Um and he's got muscular dystrophy, um, Duchenne's muscular dystrophy, um, which for anyone that isn't um, you know, aware of, of what that entails, um, I suppose the best way to describe it is uh, a CD that's got a scratch on it and it just keeps skipping um, and it doesn't read the muscle growth. So you tend to get diagnosed um, typically around the age of five or six um and it's a you know you, you, the muscle that you have built just slowly deteriorates um he could still move his his hands um and his fingers and his toes so that never stopped him on the xbox ever <laughs> um because they're tendons um so he was still able to you know converse with his his school peers and you know he still lived a relatively normal life um so yeah, I mean, I I started to do uh, respite um, just to kind of take the pressure off his mum, and by doing sleepovers, because I guess if if you imagine how many times you toss and turn and wiggle about in bed and you know go from one side to the other, he couldn't do that. You know, sometimes you just wanted the cold side of the pillow, um, and you would be 
up and down, up and down, up and down constantly until he'd settle. And then I, I guess, you know, even with a, a pressure release mattress, it still kind of pushed on on those um, you know, pressure points. So you would have to turn him throughout the night. So yeah, I mean, you know, that that massively helped his mum, you know, get two or three nights full sleep um a week. Yeah, yeah, that's so important, isn't it? And like for her to be able to cope. So you you were going in there for a few nights a week then, is that what you were doing? Yeah, that's right. Built up quite a good relationship with him. Yeah, very good. Um, We also asked if we could switch the the care hours that was was dedicated um, to the mum. So we also, you know, took him out to the beach and an RAF base and um, loads of things like that and, you know, dipped his feet in the water because he's he's you know yeah he hasn't done that since he was a little boy yeah Um, you know and between myself and uh, my partner lifted him out of his wheelchair and dipped his toes in the water and stuff like that and you know we wanted to ensure that he had you know just the same experiences and you know as much as possible yeah living a full life as it were yeah that's right so, so then I guess we sort of move on to the, the crux of the story being that um, there was obviously a conversation had about sex. Um, so yeah. I don't know if you want to speak about how that came up. I'm guessing it's because you guys were close. Yeah, so I mean, we had um, lots of conversations, um, you know, surrounding uh, sex and, you know, will it ever be possible for me? Um, you know, this kind of evolved I guess after I'd built a, a relationship with him um you know and, and and that trust too so we're probably talking when he was you know I started looking after him when he was probably about 14 and probably didn't evolve to them kind of conversations until he was probably 16 17 um and you know, we had very open conversations and he said, you know, I know that I'm different to everybody else and, you know, girls don't look at me the same at school and it doesn't matter how I have my hair cut and, and things like that. And those conversations, I had to sit and hold back my tears mm-hmm. um, and talk to him like he was just anybody else, um, you know, and reassure him that Chris that's absolutely possible you know don't just discount yourself from you know the potential of that ever happening um so I mean we yeah we did discuss it and I I I did build his confidence uh certainly um were you nervous though that you could fulfill that for him no not at all to be honest Zoe it was actually a sense of pride that I could facilitate something like that for Chris. Um, everyone has that right and that, you know, option, you know, if, if if they want to and if they're able to make that choice, then, yeah, why the hell not? Yeah. So you mentioned kind of facilitate and choice. And so but that's quite a big gap, isn't there, from going – okay, I'm interested in being sexually active when I'm, you know, 16, 17 years old, which is perfectly legal. And there's lots of people having sex around that age um, to actually going, right, now I want to be able to do something about it. So we're making sure that, as Zoe said, kind of setting people up for failure. So 
because uh, he was saying he was struggling meeting girls at school and chatting to, to girls. So, so yeah. what what did you do to support him? Um, so I did have, you know, the initial thought, which I think is probably, you know, a lot of people's go to um, of a, a sex worker um, as, a, as a possibility. Um, and initially, Chris was really up for the idea <laughs> um, and very, very keen. Um, he said, does it come with a catalogue? And I said, not necessarily. <laughs> um, so I was talking to my brother and his girlfriend and um, his girlfriend made a suggestion and said, I can speak to my friend. I'm pretty sure she would. So I spoke to her directly and relayed parts of conversations that I'd had with Chris. Um, but obviously, you know, leaving out some bits that he, you know, he did put a lot of trust in me with. Um, but the main objective obviously was to, you know, fulfill his wish. Mm-hmm. Um and also let her know that confidence you know well the lack of confidence for Chris and that was a big thing um because I think that is so important isn't it going into these kind of situations people's main objective might be right I did it I got my end away I did it but what we don't know is how we're going to feel afterwards and also trusting in that person to to cope um well in the in from the sex worker or the friend or whatever, that they can manage those emotions because it's really scary being that vulnerable um, and inexperienced, isn't it? So, I mean, that's a big, big role to take on for that girl to have done that, isn't it? It was. um, And I'll I'll always be extremely grateful um, for, you know, for what she did. Um, So, so yeah, I mean, we, we, her and I had the conversation. Um, She said that she would like to come and meet Chris um and so she was like yeah absolutely why not why can't he can I just ask a few questions before that because so the, the girl that agreed to do it has she ever you know has she had ever done any sex work before was this was money being talked about or is this is just something that she wanted to do no it was just something that she wanted to do right that's um, that's really that's really interesting and I don't think we've spoken to many people in this this situation so yeah no, it, it was simply just as as straightforward as that it was something that she wanted to do for Chris um you know she understood that it you know it's uncertain how many years he might have left um you know essentially the heart's a muscle um and you know he, he was deteriorating he had undergone some horrific surgery um on his spine as well um you know throughout the time that i was looking after him um to prolong his his life um and you know she was just she was she was very up for it um and you know wanted to do that um so she met chris um each of them you know kind of consented and uh, I remember when she left, I said to Chris, I went, are you okay? Do you want to, you, you know, you want to do this? And he was like, yeah, she's fit. And I was like, 
okay, that's a green light then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want to sleep with an ugly one, do you? Just anyway, I don't fancy you, but I'll have you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? We kind of yeah, but we joke about that, but that is an issue for a lot of people, you know. Like I saw I've arranged a sex worker for somebody before, and you know, she traveled and she turned up and he said she just didn't smell right. She didn't smell, and smell is a really important thing for lots yeah, of people. It is. It's really important for me. And um, and he, and, she, and he said, I just, it wasn't right. But by that point, he'd spent the money, he'd paid her, you know, and it was quite expensive. And then he was like, so that's kind of my opportunity lost. So we kind of joke about it, but that is just a given that not, especially if you're looking for a sex worker or, you know, in that not everybody is inverted commas willing and prepared to sleep with a disabled person are they no. you know there are sex workers that specifically work with disabled people and so maybe it is you just got to take what you're given for a lot of people which isn't okay no it's not because I think everybody regardless of disability or not you still have a preference you still have a type yeah. whether it be blonde hair brown hair you know you want to fancy someone don't you that you're yeah of course with. yeah yeah, because when we look at the confidence issue and how you're going to feel afterwards, God, if you've then slept with someone that you really don't fancy and you've literally done the motion to say, oh, I've lost my virginity, how yeah. the hell are you going to feel afterwards? It's, you know, we all want that connection, really. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, so how did she, so equally it goes from, from her as well. Like she obviously liked Chris and they got on and fancied Chris to the point where she was, you know, saying, okay, I want to, I want to do this. So what was yeah. the conversation with her afterwards? Um, I, I asked her and said, you know, you, you, are you still comfortable doing this? And so she was like, yeah, absolutely. So she was like, you know, that it is important that, you know, that guy gets to lose his virginity. And so she said, uh, I feel honoured. So, she, mm. you know, that she gets to do that for him. It's a, it's a hard balance, isn't it? Because on one hand, you don't want kind of like hero worship and non-disabled no. person sleeping with a disabled person but at the same time you know it is it is a big deal to turn around and recognize the situation for 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 what it is and for her to say okay I want to do this you know I want to do this with with Chris so so how was it like setting it up because he was living at home wasn't he with his mum yeah that's right so um between me and his mum we uh because he had a like a, a hoist um for the shower and then like a shower bed and like a big wet room so between me and his mum we scrubbed him and shaved <laughs> shaved shaved his stubble so off his mum knew his mum knew everything yeah 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 absolutely yeah yeah and she was a you know huge advocate for this um oh, and, she was that's good yeah yeah I'm, I'm very you know appreciative um you know of, of what we were doing for him um and um, so, yeah, so we, we got him ready. I took over uh, some of my nice aftershave um, and, and spritzed him. Um, ben does always smell very nice. Myself. <laughs> <laughs> I can't smell you through Zoom, Ben, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, shame. I take, take Zoe's word for it. Um, and so, um, yeah, so we, we, we kind of got him ready and we... Um, we had a conversation as well with um her first and because she asked you know what can I do what can't I do will I hurt him if I you know do different positions and and, and things like that and you know we quite openly said Chris will tell you 
um, you know, he, he will not hold back. <laughs> he's very, very forward. He's quite dry, um, quite a dry sense of humour. Uh-huh. Um, so as you know, you need to be on, be on your on the ball with it. And so, um, so she's like, no, okay, that's absolutely fine. Um, so we left condoms um, and we actually went over the road to the pub um and we just said text text us when when you're done um and if you need anything and do you know what was lovely was that afterwards it actually makes you feel emotional just saying it out loud i can see that in your face Um, she laid with him Mm. and stroked his hair and snuggled into him and stuff and it wasn't just a, a wham bam thank you ma'am and I thought that was that was really kind that's lovely that was lovely that she, that she did that for him and you know and said that um you know I, I hope that I made it special for you and stuff I mean he was grinning like a Cheshire cat <laughs> he's um, like hell yeah you did <laughs> and I, I think I actually did it three times in an hour so um oh, wow. <laughs> So Three times like, in an hour. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Fair play to him. But that's really important that she created that intimacy. Like you say, it's yeah. not a cold Definitely. experience where it's an exchange and she walks out and then he's laying no, there. Not at all. Spinning shame. And, and that wasn't even discussed either, Zoe. That was something that because it it wasn't really kind of scripted either. Mm-hmm. I mean, she she did ask, like, you know, the do's, don'ts, and things like that. And like I said, you know, we just have parts of that. Chris would tell her um but um she covered all bases did absolutely everything <laughs> um and and yeah it was just well she didn't actually tell me that Chris told me that because right. I had I had sleepover that night um and um he said she laid with me Ben and she like she tickled my chest and stuff and stroked my hair and and oh. still kept kissing me and that and He's only ever, I suppose, the only, you know, sexual content he's probably been exposed to is probably pornography. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he was asking me and saying, you know, is that normal? Does that yeah. happen and stuff afterwards? I thought she was just being nice, you know, or, and I went, or oh, what? And he went, or oh, she just wanted to go again. Insatiable appetites. Yeah, really. But you've you've hit on a really good point there. And and another point about that being, yes, they might only access um, porn. So that's obviously a really distorted view of reality. Um, But as we say in a lot of our training, many disabled people, the only touch they have is with a a player of plastic rubber gloves, you know, from a medical point of view. Um, And and that is their touch. They don't get any sensual touch or stroking or massaging, you know, and, and... that's awful, isn't it? Just to not have that because we all know how beneficial that is for stress and connection. And yeah, I mean, you know, I used to do his um, his, his hands and his his tendons and his and his feet and stuff. But um, yeah, it was certainly not um, received the same way. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but I think it, I think it covers a lot of bases. One, it shows that how 
um, how sex education just isn't inclusive enough because lots of disabled people are not understanding what actually, you know, what it actually means. And we know that through sex education, you're not taught about pleasure, you know, so we're not actually taught because they don't want to encourage um, you know, encourage sex um, from young people, but not understanding it's meant to be pleasurable. So it's all the things that you shouldn't do. And then we kind of joke about porn, but actually all we also know in most care settings, porn is, you know, you can't even get to porn because there's a child lock. Um, so you can't even access that. So there are so many people who don't have any access to any information at all about what good healthy sex life is actually meant to be and what that looks like which is incredibly damaging. And like hearing you just say that and seeing you well up, you know, it makes me feel the same because this is the whole reason why we do what we do and we run the training, you know, that we do. And with your, we talked about how Chris felt um, afterwards to a point. How did your friend feel about it? Because that's a big deal for her as well, sleeping with someone that she doesn't know that well. Um, no, absolutely not. Um, she found it very meaningful and um, not, but you know, like you say, like a, you know, she wasn't accepting any trophies. It, it was purely out. She's got a very kind heart and, you know, it, it was just something that meant a lot to her that she could do that for Chris um, and, you know, tick that box for him. Mm. Um, you know, kind of done everything else. We'd taken him to the space center, we'd dipped his feet in the water, you know, we'd taken him on fairground rides and, and everything else. Mm. Um, you know, when you know, that was the last thing really that you know, we we got him drunk and you know, <laughs> when he was old enough and you know, giggled and laughed and did all of them things. And, you know, it was just important. You know, I don't think anyone should be deprived of that. Is Chris Chris still alive, Ben? He is, yeah. And does he still talk about that? Because I think that the thing that with lots of people, certainly that we've worked with, and and let's, you know, say they use a sex worker, um, that it's a great experience, but then it kind of leaves you a bit thirsty for more. Where do you go with that? Are you looking so does he still talk about it? Is he in a relationship now? Like, where is he with things? Um, I don't actually know. I don't care for Chris anymore. Um, unfortunately. Um, and I do miss him. Um, the money, uh, from, from the government ran out, um, and they weren't looking to continue it. And, you know, I hope, well, I'm fairly confident that you guys will know that the, the system can be quite a battle. Um, and is massively flawed in loads of areas, um, and uh, and yeah, it 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 was very sad. Um, I do still see him, you know, when I can, um, but it's it is different now. Um, yeah. You know, I'm I'm not consciously going to give up sleepless nights when I'm I'm also trying to run a business um and, and you know and do it for nothing yeah um, I did for a little while um but I I, I couldn't you know it wasn't sustainable I, I couldn't I couldn't no. keep it up. but doesn't that make you realize how important that is that you were in his life for you know let's say five six years and you were able to give him those experiences 
That was luck yeah. of the draw of having a really nice guy come in and look after you. Oh, who also had really empathetic friends who were able to support. And unfortunately, as good as some carers will be, they'll never even look at that. And so, like, you don't know what he's up to now. You know, he could either be just having his mum's care or a carer that's never going to facilitate that. So it's so important and so lovely that you managed to do that at that time um because people like you are gems when they come into your life I have live-in care and you know you you know you've had a few special ones that have done things for you or changed your perception on stuff and you think oh my god that's amazing whereas other people you go okay yeah great you you're allowing me my independence because you're caring for me and we're going out here and there but you really do meet some special people that will change your life. Um, and, it, and, and of course, yes, you don't want it to be sycophantic and going, oh my God, this person's no. amazing. But we all have that in our life, disabled or not, where you meet someone, you go, oh my God, I'm so glad we met. You did this for me or you changed my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think it's hugely important because, and that's why we're so passionate about getting the message out there with our training um, and just a whole campaign really, because there are a lot of carers that won't do that. And they'll also think that they don't have to do that. Um, whether that be from a religious or a cultural viewpoint, might be like, oh, God, no, no, I would never facilitate that. But where does that leave the disabled person? I, I don't see it as necessarily something that they, that any carer has to do. I think it's either important to you because of the kind of person you are and it's within your nature and character that you see beyond the, you know, helping to get dressed, putting trousers, socks on, helping get in and out of bed. There is more to it than that to help them feel like they're living, living. Yeah, yeah I think my, my, my argument with that would be um, that actually I think if you're working with human beings as a care, in, in care setting as a carer, um, you do have to be going in with open eyes and looking at somebody as a whole and as a human. And there's very few people that we meet in this world that choose to be completely celibate, that choose to live on their own, isolated and sleeping in a single bed and that not don't have any intimacy at all. Uh, most of those, if, if, you know, a lot of people who are living like that, for example, are nuns or monks who are choosing as a sacrifice to do that. So the fact that so many people are in care that are living like that, but that's just a given, I think that's quite questionable. So it's kind of retraining carers' minds of kind of going, yes, we need to do all those things. Absolutely. But if we're not comfortable with that situation. We need to go find somebody who is comfortable like, like you having those conversations and we put it into people's care plans. I I guess that you've, you've, you've just kind of hit on something that um... – I'm a huge advocate for of um, finding the right fit for for somebody. So within my business, my my main objective being, you know, in charge of recruitment and, and HR is ensuring that the people, the, the um, candidates that we have in are the right fit for our existing team because that goes a long way. And also my management team can work with personality and you know they they can't work with somebody that comes into the business and you know has a has a, a flawless skill set 
but a bad attitude and bad timekeeping and you know doesn't get on with people or you know chomps when they eat and sat in the van at lunchtime or something you know something as dark as that because you spend a lot of time you know it's very very similar situation you spend a lot of time with that person it is crucial that you are the right fit for each other Mm. for for that to work um because otherwise it you know it, it it can just become like a robotic chore and you're just doing it you know and that's that's not right that's not something that has ever kind of sat comfortably with me I think it's important that you know you, your personality is, is a big part of you and it is part you know a big part of your makeup um you know it's it's important that you you do have that connection with definitely with people definitely about connection I've always said so I've had living care for like 15 years 17 years or something um and I've always said, of course, everyone that comes in is a carer and they will do the care job and they'll do what's on the plan. But then you've got the people that care. And there's such a distinct um, marker there where you go, oh, I know you're someone that actually cares. You give, a, you know, you care about me. <laughs> you want to do the best for me. You're interested in me. You think of solutions for me, whereas other people are just waiting to be instructed. Um, and so they're never going to think out of the box or push me. So, you know, and suggest ideas. And it's it's huge. It definitely is huge what you're bringing to that job. But you know, I think you're right. I mean, it's a person-centered planning. That's what it comes down to, right? And it's a bit of a boring term that we throw around and was like, what does that actually mean? But it's about it's about looking at a person as a whole and the person that's caring as well. But it's got to be what's right for you. And I supported somebody many years ago to use a sex worker. And we actually went to Amsterdam. It was his 30th birthday. And there was a group of us who went over. And um, it was actually really difficult because we went to all the windows in Amsterdam. And a lot of the sex workers in the windows rejected him because they could see that he uh, he had cerebral palsy and that he was a wheelchair user. And um, got quite a severe disability and very poor dexterity, speech impairment. And you could see these really unattractive men kind of going in, dare I say. And then there was him that was a good looking 30 year old that wasn't being accepted. And eventually we met somebody and um, she was lovely. She was actually a nurse and also a sex worker. And I, you went to the pub, I waited outside and, um, and afterwards I helped. It seems like everyone just goes to the pub when it happens. That seems yeah, like I, I didn't really know what to do. I was like, oh, I don't know. So I just waited outside. I sat in his wheelchair, actually, and waited outside. And um, I went back in and, and helped get his catheter back on. And I said, how, how was it? And he said, I don't I don't think I did it properly. And I said, well, why? And he said, well, it didn't happen straight away, which meant he didn't come straight away. And I said, but that's not a, that's not a bad thing. And it really made me realise that actually he hadn't had any sex education going back to what we talked about before he hadn't had anything to reference because everyone talked to him about football and about things that they thought they were being inclusive but no one had talked to him about sex or what that actually looked like and he was happy that he ticked that box but equally when we got home he felt very depressed about it because he was like where do I go with it now and that's why I asked the question about Chris and he's now in a relationship you know but that took him quite a few years to be able to get the confidence to then 
you know, to, to meet someone. And he says now it was totally the right thing for him to do, to use a sex worker to to experiment and explore. Yeah. But again, it's very person-centered plan. What was right for one person isn't going to be right for another person, is it? But it's about having yeah. these conversations with people. That's what's important. I think that's useful though, because I think a lot of people, I mean, useful that you've said that, because I think a lot of people think, well, if I do it it'll be great and like it is a massive noose off of someone's neck I don't think that's an actual phrase but um you know to, to tick that off and say right I've done it is a huge psychological unblocking and then can potentially allow someone to step forward and maybe look at the dating and stuff because you haven't got the virgin label around your neck and you know that it's maybe possible However, like you say, it's then, well, what do I do now? Because am I, I'm not suddenly going to be accepted on a, a dating site because I still look maybe very physically disabled and people aren't going to go for that. The reality is, or, oh God, have I got to pay for sex every time? Is that all I'm worth? And so you can see how that could actually be a really like a negative cycle. So it's, it's a really, really difficult one to manage, isn't it? I mean, Chris went completely the opposite direction and he was just, uh, you know, full of confidence then. <laughs> mm-hmm. Really? Um, um, but what did that look like? How did that manifest? Did he, like, chat to more people when he was out? Did he have more sex? Did those opportunities come up? Um, he certainly had more confidence, just socially. He had mm-hmm. more confidence, like, it, taking him places. Like, you know, I remember when... Um, very start, very first started looking after him when he was 14, he didn't go out. He didn't go out into the public eye. He didn't want to be noticed. He wanted to shy away and, you know, be the one at the back of the room and that in his electric wheelchair. And you know, he didn't want to, be, he wanted to be invisible. Mm. Um, and, you know, over time, you know, gradually kind of brought him out and he would, um, he was roughly this, uh, well, he is roughly the same age as, um, my brother um and you know he'd, he'd on his own go up the park at 16 and go and meet my brother at the park and you know that was that was huge that yeah. was massive for Chris um you know to have the confidence to that and you know his confidence just constantly grew and I guess you know that's the that's the the biggest thing really that I can kind of take from that um yeah from you know and to know that you know I, I certainly helped grow his confidence um you know in, in supporting him um but yeah I mean he he wasn't the person at, at the back anymore you know after his sexual experience he wasn't um you know shying away he found his voice even more mm. um I think he actually ran into the ankles of the girl he fancied at college to get her attention <laughs> to apologise and then hit on her. And I don't know what happened after that. <laughs> Did it work? I'm going to throw a massive guess that it probably wasn't the one. But uh, the best way, running someone over. But it may have worked. If that's... I don't think he broke anything, Jen. Yeah, think... well... <laughs> <laughs> Little greys. That, that is like taking it to the extreme of pulling pigtails, isn't it? Like running like and breaking bones. Yeah, um, love bones. <laughs> But I mean, I think I think just to kind of, you know, wrap it up and and for the people that are listening, I think it's really important for us to say we are very conscious that Zoe and I are two women who have disabilities that affect us in a, and can affect our sex lives, but in a very different way to what we're talking about and that we're talking 
um, from the other side, the other side of things, um, you and I, Ben, of like supporting people and and Zoe rather than being that person. Um, but we kind of want to say, you know, if you're listening and you are in a situation where you've considered using a sex worker or you feel that that's something that you want to do, that we are, you know, we're here. We certainly haven't got all the answers, but what we do is we will listen and we will see you and we'll support you the best we can. And equally, if you've been in a situation where you're a parent, I mean, it sounds like Chris's mum was brilliantly supportive and it's very daunting. I have two daughters and I know that and I'm quite liberal but I know when it comes to it and them talking about sex as liberal as I pretend to be I'll still be a bit like I'm not ready for my babies to have sex um you know so but it's very difficult for parents so again if, if you are a parent or we're trying to support somebody we're here to to help you through that that journey um but we really appreciate you coming on and sharing this you know because it's 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 a really it's a great it's a great story and it's and it's a great thing um of supporting someone and I think more importantly than anything you saw Chris you listened to him you had those conversations and you saw him and you validated him as a human being that wants to be sexually active and that in itself is a massive thing for so many disabled people so um I really appreciate you taking your time out to come and talk to us about this Ben thank you so much you're very very welcome yeah it's excellent to hear a really positive story I would say so obviously we run um, a love lounge where people can write in um, and possibly 80% of the letters that we get or emails that we get um, are from people who are wanting this experience. Yeah. And saying like, I'm not liked on Tinder, you know, nobody comes and approaches me. How can I meet someone? And it's really difficult. And, you know, there, there has to be hope out there. Um, and I find it really difficult sometimes responding to people because I'm thinking it's not easy. I went through my own challenges, my own twen- through my 20s. I also felt very much the same. And then something just clicked and then it, everything was OK. But it's not always going to happen like that or people have to go on for a long, long time. So I think for people to hear this story is good. People to know that actually there's no shame in working with a sex worker. Um, and as you said, Jenny, parents we probably have like maybe 10 20 percent of letters coming in from parents saying how can I help my son or daughter um and I think sex worker is a really difficult topic for parents um one lad wrote to us and he said you know I did discuss it with my mom and she wasn't keen which is fine and you can understand that about you know your your vulnerable son but also you think, oh, okay, but look at your age. And if you weren't in a wheelchair or you weren't disabled and stuck at home, you'd be off sleeping with someone on a Friday night. Your mum wouldn't even know. So really, we it? just need to get the mum out of the house, is what you're saying. Yeah. On that on that note, um, thank you very much. Um, thank you very much. And really, really enjoyed this chat. And um, to everyone that's listening, please write in if you need any supports. And our love lounge surgeries, um, they are done by Zoom. And that's a like 50 minute chat with Jenny and myself. Um, And yeah, absolutely. Anybody sign up to that for free and then we can have a good, open, honest chat like we've had with you, Ben. Um, Thank you so much, Ben, for sharing your story with us. And always good to see you. You too. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, you can find us at enhancetheuk.org, on Instagram at etukundressing, Twitter, ETUK Undressing. We look forward to seeing you soon.